Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 29, recorded June 8th, 2019. This is a very important episode, and I hope to have many more like it. I would like it to become a regular feature. Today, we're talking about accessibility, or the lack of it, regarding the MTA. It's important to share these stories, and I want to get as many stories out there, because everybody matters. New York City has 472 subway stations, and how many of those stations do you think are accessible? 118 are accessible, which is below 25%. This is appalling. Staten Island Railway has 21 stations, and 5 are accessible, which means 24%. LIRR has 124 stations, and 104 are accessible, which means 84%, which is better. Metro North has 124 stations, and 79 are accessible, which is 64%. Overall, the MTA train stations across all lines are 40% accessible. This is appalling. On the plus side, all buses are accessible. However, they are slow and cumbersome. Despite the myriad of problems associated with the subway, it's the easiest way to get around. Then, of course, you have Accessoride, which is frequently referred to as Stressoride. All for good reasons, all of which will be discussed. On this episode, I speak with Iman Rimawi. She is Accessoride Campaign Coordinator for New York Lawyers for the Public Interest, or NILPI. She is an organizing member of ARG. <laughs> ARG stands for Accessoride Reform Group started by NILPI and Coalition Partners Brooklyn Center for Independence of the Disabled, Center for Independence of the Disabled New York, and MFJ Legal Services. They are building a new broad-based group of writers and other advocates to push for accessoride reforms and fixes. It's important that all of these stories be heard. They need to be heard so we can all make a positive change. On Tuesday, June 4th, 2019, Iman and I sat down and we discussed the difficulties of navigating the city. However, today we primarily focus on Accessoride and all of its issues. From perpetual lateness to the 20 contractors contracted out to drive the vans to multi-borough tours and even sexual harassment on board. The lack of elevators and associated issues plus buses. We will discuss how the current system is and what needs to happen in order for the overall system to improve. After my conversation with Iman, I will have a summary of what we learned and some of my thoughts regarding the lack of accessibility, followed by contact information for Iman, Nilpi, and their coalition partners, and of course, myself. Please listen to what Iman has to say. I hope you find this podcast to be informative and helpful. 
Please enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Imam Ramawi. She is Accessoride Campaign Coordinator for New York Lawyers for the Public Interest, or NYLPI, and an organizing member of AARG, or ARG. <laughs> ARG stands for Accessoride Reform Group. Started by the NYLPI with coalition partners, Brooklyn Center for Independence of the Disabled, Center for Independence of Disabled New York, and MFJ Legal Services. They are building a new broad-based group of riders and other advocates to push for accessoride fixes and reforms. I wanted to do this podcast because it's important that everybody's stories be heard. It needs to be heard so positive changes can be made. Thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely. And sorry for the noise, folks. That's, that's okay. <laughs> okay. I, I've, I've done things outside. It's okay. fine. How did you get involved in community activism and advocacy? Um, so I've been an organizer for about 20 years. Um, and don't let the youthful face fool you. Um, I've uh, Since I was a little kid, my dad sort of instilled in me that if I see something wrong, it's my job to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got the idea in my head, it's my job to fix everything in the world, period. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, so I, I've, I've been committed to it my entire life and I've done a, a number of other jobs and other things throughout, throughout um, but I always come back to organizing um, because it's like in my system and in my blood and in my bones. Um, and I uh, became an amputee about six years ago, and when I became an amputee, um, I realized just how inaccessible the city is. Even though I've had mobility issues for a while because of my lupus, um, and I wanted to do something about it, and coincidentally, when I was organizing an event around how do we fix Accessoride, I saw this job posting. And I was like, oh, they're looking for exactly what I'm doing on my own already. So let me apply. And I even told them in my job interview, I'm like, look, I'm going to do this anyway. So y'all can hire me and we can do it together or I'm going to just do it separately and you guys can do whatever you're doing. But I'm still doing it because I use it every single day and it's horrendous. So, so yeah. Okay. So let's talk about our... Yes. Explain Accessoride to those who may not know of it. Mm-hmm. And what are the issues involved if they do not know about the issues involved if, because they haven't heard about it, which is amazing given that you know, Accessoride amongst the disabled community is pretty intense. Yes. Um, so Accessoride is the paratransit service that the MTA provides. It's 275 each way, each ride. We don't get to use Metro cards. We get no discounts. We have to pay cash every single time. You have to book your trip a day or two in advance. Um, and it's pretty horrible because you never know if your ride is actually going to show up. And then once they show up, you never know if you're going to be on the vehicle for two, three, four, up to six hours or something, which has happened to me. Um, what is the longest amount of time you've ever been on Accessoride? Six hours. Really? Yeah. So you went all around the boroughs? I went to three boroughs, um, and we were stuck in traffic, and it was just like, so wow, you guys are rewarding me for just having a meeting with a council member in Brooklyn by driving me to Queens, Valley Stream, and the South Bronx just to take me back to the North Bronx hours after you picked me up. That's awesome. Um, And then they tried to penalize me. I was going out with my friends that night and decided I don't want to deal with Accessoride again. Canceled it and they tried to penalize me for a a late um, cancellation. What what do they do to to penalize you? 
you get up to seven late cancellations or no shows a month, and then they will cut your amount of times that you can book a trip or cut your service completely. But don't they, aren't they no-shows a lot of time? All the time. And perpetual lateness? Perpetually late, perpetually keep you on there for a long time, and they don't hold their drivers or dispatchers or operators to the same standard as they uh, hold their customers to. So you're late, or because it may be difficult to get to the curb, mm -hmm. so you may be late, like five minutes late, they pull away. Mm -hmm. Now you're penalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they can be up to an hour late. When, yeah. I, when I spoke to Elizabeth Malas for her mm -hmm. podcast, they were late picking her up from our podcast yeah. by nearly an hour. Yeah, and even today, we were supposed to meet on, what, 37th and 8th? Yeah. Um, we were supposed to meet on 37th and 8th, and my ride never showed up. And I was sitting outside our, my office for 45 minutes trying to see where my ride was, and he was apparently in Brooklyn. And... They kept saying on the, the Manage My Trip app, oh, 41 minutes, 41 minutes, and then I called and talked to an operator. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's in Brooklyn. I don't think he's coming. And I'm like, okay, fine, never mind. Because you guys just screwed over my entire evening, and so I just have to figure out another way to make my life work. And they don't take into account that, like, you can have disabilities while having a life and jobs and friends and school and all kinds of shit. Oh, sorry. That's Am I allowed okay. to cut? I have a little bit of a potty mouth. That's okay. We have so many things that we need to do aside from just going at the doctor and being at home just wallowing in our yes, own sadness. Exactly. Life. It's like you have a life. You mm -hmm. have a family, a friends. You may have children. Mm -hmm. And you want to go out and experience everything exactly. that the city has to offer. Exactly. But they've made it nearly impossible to do so. It doesn't... If you have a really busy life and a busy schedule and you're trying to use Accessoride, the two can never meet because it's impossible to do it. I mean, if you look at the way the trips are designed, it's, it's I have to wake up at six something every single morning to get in the car around seven something to be down here on time. And then who knows if I'm gonna get a ride later on. <laughs> like, the emotional like, cost must be amazing. It's, it's you know, at first I was really depressed and sad about it years ago when I first got it, but then I just got pissed off. Yeah. And when I get pissed off, I want to punch people. And unfortunately, I can't punch anybody accessorized. So I'll just punch them with my words on Twitter. Exactly. And <laughs> exactly. that's all I can. It's like, it's like, that's how this whole thing got started for me. It's just like, yeah. I got tired of complaining on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know what? If we talk about it out loud, mm -hmm. they can't ignore you. Well, they can't ignore you. But other people will hear you. And that is why those MCA board meetings are so important. Because not only are all those board members there, but all the press is there. Yeah. And I like to hold them all, I, I don't like to say publicly shame, but I want to public, I hold them publicly accountable in front of everybody to make a point, to say, you know what, they're not going to get away with doing this to us. Because guess what, we're customers too. We pay for it too. Like we're not, we're not, like there are a lot of people who know about Accessoride but think it's free. And I'm like, Accessoride has never, in its 29 years of existence, been free. So I don't know where they got that information, but it's, it's just amazing. I, yeah, I don't understand where they got that information either, because I never heard about that. Do they, that. do they think because you might get a discount? Because they think it's because I'm, I'm disabled, I get some special treatment or something. But I've never gotten any special treatment, so I don't know what they're talking about, about it being uh, free from 
sometimes. Accessorite is, is the opposite of special treatment. Exactly. They think that some people call it a show first service. And I'm like, thank you people for recognizing that inaccessibility around the city and, and connecting us to paratransit means we get a quote chauffeur service. Like I don't know anyone who uses a chauffeur service who gets driven around for three or four or five hours. <laughs> Going from one place to another yeah. and you might eventually end up where you need to go. Yeah, might. Might. Keyword might. I mean, with all these new changes that have happened since March, it's been even worse than it was before. And what changes? So in March, they uh, announced that they were discontinuing the e-hail April 30th, which means that if a, a trip is late, so some people get it so that you can request a taxi authorization after 30 minutes. Some people can, I can do it after 30 minutes. Some people can do it immediately. Some people can request it right away. You can't do that at all. At all. And they announced it randomly on a Sunday, or at least the press release. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't tell anybody they were doing it. And just did it. It's crazy. And then we were just like, what? And most people didn't know. They didn't see the press release. And they didn't know until they were booking their trips a few days later that this was the new normal. So it's... So they're just making it more difficult. Yes. Based on the fact that the e-hail app is more popular than Accessorize because it works. Yes. So they're penalizing a program that they've implemented mm -hmm. that's actually functionally useful and mm -hmm. you guys like you it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing about that is, is that they are saying that, so part of the e-hail has been the on-demand curb pilot, which is similar but not the same, because you can get an on-demand when you want it, um, as opposed to booking it a day or two in advance. Um, and they're finishing that at the end of the year. Um, but they um, they were saying that it like costs like an additional $8 million for 1,200 people. And we're just like, well, if you had a new service that was suddenly in your life that you could get anytime you wanted to go wherever you needed to go, you would use it too. Simple as that. And so they have the on-demand with the Curb and Arrow um, apps, but they also added Curb onto the broker service, which is part of Accessory. So there's the traditional blue and white vehicles, and then there are blue, um, renew your little taxis through Curb, and then there are brokered cars, which are black cars, which are with uh, three other companies. Um, the problem with that, though, is that, I mean, and I can show you screenshots. So the Manage My Trip app has a tendency to drop your trips, to cancel your trips, to change your addresses out of nowhere. And this is not like, you know, I haven't heard it like secondhand or whatever. This has literally happened to me. And there, their excuse is like, oh, it's just going to take time to work out the kinks. Since March, there's been a whole a bunch of new things happening and they can't, they, they don't have enough staff or don't have enough technology to make it like seamless. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me because you're saying that with the MyMTA app, it's seamless. So why can't you do the same thing for accessories? You know, and it's just a desire to. And, and like I was saying before, like I don't, I don't think everybody is. I don't think everybody at the MTA and Accessorider they're necessarily malicious. No. But sometimes I get the feeling that they don't care because they're not directly using the service. Right. And so when you don't have a daily experience with something, 
and you see someone on the outside complaining about it constantly, you're, have you seen that meme with the eagles being like, oh, those, those hawks have been taking out those field mice. Oh, no, they're not. That's not our problem. That's not even happening. And so they don't think it's happening. They think that because people aren't complaining, there are no complaints. It's like, no, people don't complain because you guys don't listen. And they're not going to keep on complaining endlessly and nothing happens. And so they're just going to go on Facebook and complain. And there are tons of accessoried um, Facebook groups where people are just endlessly complaining, which is great, um, but nobody at the MTA sees that. And, or at least I don't think they do, I don't know. I know one guy from the TLC lurks on there, um, but that's it. <laughs> so. so how did the NYLPI and all these groups come together? So NILPI came together uh, about, uh, NILPI and the other organizations came together about two and a half years ago. Um, someone from the New York City Trust approached NILPI, um, and we're assuming someone may have started using Accessorize, and we're like, whoa, this, this is messed up. And so they said, hey, we'll give you guys money. You can do a campaign around it. And so they did. Um, and Sydney and BCID have been doing it for years because they're disability-focused organizations that deal with like a number of different issues. And Mobilization for Justice is a, an organization specifically with lawyers. Like NOPI is different because we have lawyers, advocates, and social workers that work in concert together. Uh, MFJ is just lawyers who take care of like various disability issues, but mostly accessoride eligibility because there's a lot of people who are denied even though they have the proof that they need it. Um, so we all came together and about two or three months in after they got the money they hired me um, to coordinate all the organizations to make sure like we know everything that's going on with each other, all the meetings are set, um, all the outreach is done, um, sort of wrangling the organizers um, that they have and uh, sort of like keeping keeping energy up in the campaign, which can be a little exhausting sometimes. Yeah. But it's important. Though. Oh, it's totally important. It's, it's not, you know, I, I feel like accessoride is like sort of like endless work because there's so it's it's not just the, like the latenesses and the no shows. There's like so much stuff to go, and not just with the customers, with the drivers too. Like I've had a lot of conversations with the drivers about issues that they're experiencing and I'm just like how is it that they're going through all this stuff and it's because they're not under the MTA union they don't get the same benefits that MTA workers get because Accessoride is broken up into 20 different companies and so they're independent contractors and they can't get the same benefits that the MTA bus and train operators can get why are they why are they good, broken up like that? Good question. Good question. That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so like you'll see like a, a Maggie's or an, an MBT and a CBT and all, they're all different. So they all have a different president. They all have different staff at their headquarters. They all issue the training for the drivers. They all take care of each individual thing that's going on with the drivers at that company. And, and maybe it's because Accessoride as a whole didn't want to control so many drivers, um, but that leads to extreme mismanagement because yeah. how can you hold these presidents accountable? There's so many. There's so many. There's so many. And there's like different standards based yes. on the company. Yes. So you could have one guy who's great at his job, who knows how to work everything, who 
understands routes and mm -hmm. tries to devise the best plan to drop everybody off yep. in a reasonable amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then there are those that are just like, meh. Yeah. We'll go here, we'll go here, we'll go here, we'll go here. I'll get paid anyway. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's been a huge issue with I did not know that. Yeah. That and you know, a lot of people don't know that because they're not, they don't put that information out there. Like I had to do so much searching to, to find, like, so I thought, hey, let's find out who these individual president guys are, find them, talk with them, ask for a tour of these spaces. Um, and it was so hard to find the information on them. You can find the company names on on MTA.info, but you can't find the breakdown of who runs which company, how many employees they have. It's because they don't want you to how know. Many, no, of course they don't want us to know, because they don't want us to actually contact them. Yeah. And it's just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> well, it's like um, there some of the elevators and escalators in the subways are run by third parties. Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult finding out you, who... The, who track down those guys so we can go, hey, that elevator's been out for like two weeks. Maybe you want to do something about that. You this, know. this escalator keeps breaking down. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility to fix it. Maybe you should do something about it. There's a great transit reporter who used to be at New York Times who's now at the city, Jose Martinez. Uh -huh. um, I spoke to him. He's a, he knows about those companies that handle the elevator stuff. And he had a really great article yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like, damn, dude. He's on it. But I ran out of time during the MTA uh, board meeting, so I couldn't shout it out. But I was like, this, that was a great article right there. There's still time. The next one. I know. There's, there's one coming around. Oh, I will be there. <laughs> now, the reason why Accessoride exists is because the system itself is less than 25% accessible. Yes. There's only 118 elevators out of 472. Mm -hmm. Now, with these elevators, Let's talk about these elevators when they're working. Yes. Which is rare. Yeah. Because they're really broken a lot. Mm -hmm. Are they clean? Right. I mean, what what is the what is the cleanliness of these elevators? So a lot of them are not. not. Right. You wouldn't you wouldn't send your worst enemy in some of these elevators because not only are they dirty, but someone might get stuck in there and then they'll be stuck in a have dirty you, elevator. Have you ever been stuck in an elevator? In a, not an MTA elevator, other elevators though, and it's not fun <laughs> for anybody. So I can't imagine being stuck in a dirty elevator in a train station. That would be a different level of frightening. Yeah. 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 Um, Wait, well, do you know anyone who's been stuck in an elevator for the MTA? Yes. What happens when um, they do get stuck in an elevator? Well, if you're a wheelchair user, you have to have the fire department show up and carry you out of the elevator and then carry you up the steps. Which has happened to a number of my friends. And it's just like, what? That's that's, that's the most demeaning thing. Yeah. Because folks think, oh, it's not a big deal. Somebody's carrying you. And I'm just like, like really? You, 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 don't, you don't think that, it's like some people don't feel that. It's just like, it's, it is demeaning mm -hmm. because you, need somebody to help you with something mm -hmm. very that is unnecessary to do because mm -hmm. the system isn't working yeah and it is demeaning for that mm -hmm. and if the system was working you wouldn't need someone to carry a 150 pound human being Plus, with a 30 pound chair <laughs> that, but, <laughs> like, the, but the uh, mechanical ones the 
Oh yeah, those are 400 pounds. Like way heavier. Yeah. So and, and a friend of mine, she the elevator wasn't working a few weeks ago. She works um, down in uh, uh, Brooklyn, and it wasn't working at J Street Borough Hall, which is a huge hub in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and they had to carry her motorized chair and her up the steps. The fire department. Yeah. And it's just like there's so many like I haven't used the train in about six years, um, and I'm up in Throgsec in the Bronx, and the closest station to us is Parkchester, and you know the Parkchester station got renovated about a year and a half ago, and they didn't put an elevator in. What I mean seriously, this, this drove me absolutely crazy. Yeah. You spent hundreds of millions of literally on prettying up stations yes. and no elevator anywhere. Yeah, you know, I ever. They're more. It made me so mad when yeah. Bay Ridge Ave is one closest mm -hmm. to me. So it's like there wasn't a protest out there when they did the ribbon cutting because it's just like, why isn't there an elevator here? Exactly. Exactly. There's, there isn't one in Bay Ridge. There, yeah. There's one coming. Eighty-six and four is coming, but it's going to take two years to build. It wow. should be installed. It started last year. Wow. It should be installed next year. It's going to cost like eighteen million dollars to do. And I'm like, why does it take two years and nearly $20 million to install one elevator in a neighborhood that has been demanding it for like 30 years? Hashtag follow the money. Yeah. All that overtime pay that people got. But you know, months ago, I brought it up. Hey, what are the, some of these guys getting paid at the MCA? Because it doesn't make sense that they say they have all this money but can't invest in anything with elevator access or making access ride better. So it's gotta be going somewhere. And it's gotta be going in people's pockets. And folks kept saying, oh no, it can't be that much. It's not that much. Except, reInvent Albany put out this report um, about 50 things. Yeah, I read that. Yes. It was amazing. Yes. It's 171 pages, but well worth well it. Well worth it. And at the end, it has that breakdown of what the board members get. And those seven people get like a gazillion dollars worth of things and money and property through working with the MCA. And it's just like, how can, how can someone sit there with a straight face and tell me that no, 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 none of the MTA money is actually getting touched, but these folks are getting money because of working with the MTA through the MTA. Like, how, how is it not connected? You know, and I don't want to seem like I'm some sort of like conspiracy theorist, but you gotta follow the money. When you follow the money, you see exactly where it came from and where it's going and who, and whose pocket. Yeah, that's the only reason it's, I can only think of. I mean, the only time an elevator ever gets installed mm -hmm. is usually through protests and suing the pants off of them. Yeah, they're out of compliance with the ADA. Completely. Completely. Yes. yes. I mean, the ADA Act said like 20 percent. You redo a station. Twenty percent of those costs have to go to, you know, installing elevators mm -hmm. or ramps. Mm -hmm. Here's a question: Okay, elevators are expensive mm -hmm. and they're costly maintained. Why not put it in a ramp? Good question. Why not? Good question. And we have brought our ramps so many times. I mean, and it's not just the elevators and the ramps. Like making sure that the braille works, making sure you can hear an announcement on a train, making sh sure that like you're not like overwhelmed with like smells and stuff yes. like that. There's so many different kinds of disabilities yes. that they're not, they never mention. What, well, let me ask you this. Let's say for someone who gets stuck, mm -hmm. like a fire or something, and you have to get off the train, and you have to leave the station, what if the station doesn't have an elevator? Good question. 
well, a couple of years ago, like six years ago, I think, there was a gentleman in a manual wheelchair, mm -hmm. and I just found a bunch of guys, and I was like, well, it's on fire. Yeah. So yeah. we need to get him up, and then I thought, okay, he's at street level now. What? Yeah. I don't know where he needs to find a bus, but where's the bus? I don't know the state level. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. where the next train station is, but I know that one doesn't have an elevator. Yeah. Okay, he's at street level. What does he do now? Yeah, what does he do now? And most folks don't think about, like, in case of an emergency, what do you do with the folks with disabilities? <laughs> like, I mean, everyone was really nice about it. Absolutely, yeah. But it was just like, okay, well, now what happens? Yeah, yeah, now what happens? It's like Dustin, who I spoke to, um, said that sometimes you give up to call the fire department. Yeah, or yeah. Or if the fire department shows up because the train's smoking, it's like after they deal with that. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's ridiculous that this is where we are. The largest city in America. Yeah. The seventh largest subway system in the world. Yeah. Can accommodate one million people. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of amazing. Plus our elderly. Yes, plus elderly. Plus our parents to young children. Yes. Or caregivers to young children. Or folks traveling with a bunch of luggage. Like, when I still had legs, I would go to thrift stores all the time and carry furniture home on the train. <laughs> that was hard if the elevator wasn't working. <laughs> so Yeah, that's a big jump. Furniture is big. <laughs> yes, furniture is a thing. Like, when you, don't, when you have limited income and you need to take a train, like, you just do what you got to do. Yeah. But like it's it's a huge issue for a lot of folks, not just folks with disabilities. It's like so many other people who can benefit from elevators actually working. Elevators are for everybody. Yes, they are. Absolutely. I should point out that Chicago is nearly a hundred percent has a hundred percent accessible features ah. across everything. Ah. And they are about eighty percent with elevators. Okay. And Boston's nearly a hundred percent. And whenever anyone says that, you know, well, we're old, Boston predates us by like seven years. Yes. So they managed to retrofit. So I don't want to hear how we're yeah. old and we can't do it. Yeah, you know, every time we have a meeting with um, Alex Elagudin, the Accessibility Commissioner, he's always like, well, we have a, a much larger city. And so we, we, we put a lot more wear and tear on our system. And I'm just like, this is Exactly. So for the past nearly 30 years, every couple of years, mm -hmm. a handful of elevators go. Yep. Replenish the funds, a couple more elevators go. Exactly. Boston did the exactly. same thing. Yep. So you can't sit here and tell me mm -hmm. that that was impossible to do. Exactly, 100%. And you know, we, we, we bring it up so much that we sound like broken records going into well, the I don't mind being a broken record because everybody needs to know. Yeah, this could People take it for granted. They do. Yeah, and you know, I often say, like, if I worked anywhere else, anywhere else, I would have been fired already. Because I'm consistently late because of Accessoride, and there's nothing that I can do about it. Like, especially if I'm leaving my house super early in the morning anyway, and trying to get here before 9 a.m., and I'm still late. And it's just like, what do you do with that? Teleport? Fly? Like, what do you do? We need to improve jetpack technology. Yeah, I was like, I should just start bringing a cot to the office and sleeping here, because what am I going to do? Like, tell 
tell Ruth, hey, I'll just be at the office, you know, next week. It's, I live here now. I know, I'll live here now, whatever. There's a shower. I can I can make it work. Well, you mentioned Alex Alaguda. Yes. He's been there for a little over a year now. Yes. What Do you feel that he's making a substance change at the MTA? On paper. Look, Alex is a great person. Okay. I like him personally. I'm just not thrilled that he's in this position. Because even though he has a disability, he still has privilege. And he uses his privilege. And just like I mentioned earlier, he only recently started using Accessoride regularly. And I have a huge problem with someone saying, oh yes, I'm part of the disabled community, but I'm not going to use anything that disabled use. You know, he had his car keys hanging on his motorized chair when he'd run into our uh, meetings and stuff. And I'm just like, why aren't you using the service? And I called him out in an MTA board meeting, and now he's using the service. So, there we go. Well, maybe through that, it'll, it'll <laughs> like, And, I, and I, I really honestly think it'll change his perspective about changes that need to happen or like improvements that need to happen because why is it that he gets to drive into the city in his own car from Brooklyn, but I have to be tortured every day coming from Throgsneck to go into Manhattan to go to the work doing the same freaking job. Like, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. That like, he gets to have that cushy thing and I have to just deal with the same same crap. Like, no, no, we all get to deal with the same crap. Thank you very much. Yeah. You work, yeah. you have lives. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, there's this idea that you don't out yeah. there. It's just, or you have like, somebody will find a way to get you someplace. Right, like, yeah. No. A lot of these drivers are stunned when I tell them that I work that I work and that I'm going to work in the morning and they're like really you work they hire someone like you and that's when I want to take my leg off and smack them upside the head but I'm too cute for jail so I can't do that but like I, I, I'm just always like bruh you need to meet some more folks you need to meet some more people with disabilities because we're pretty awesome and you are doing a disservice to yourself by assuming that we should just be pitied like, ain't nobody got pity for me. Yeah. Like, I'm strong, independent, I'm a queen. Don't pity me. Like, regardless of what's going on with me. And, and a lot of these drivers just honestly think they're doing people a favor when they're engaging because they don't think anybody's talking to me through the day. And I'm just like, you have no idea who I am. So why are you trying to act like I'm not who I am? Like, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's like some people live in their bubble and they don't go out there are also a lot of women who use accessoride who get regularly sexually harassed including myself which nobody ever wants to talk about and it's is, is there a specific when that happens how do you complain about that is there like a is there a complaint there, I mean, there. Do you to the police? What do you do? You do usually have to call Accessoride to the complaints line, but oftentimes it sort of doesn't work. As you know, most of the complaints don't get addressed or dealt with or anything. And I've complained. I probably have a whole file this large about my complaints. Um, 
but nothing's ever happened. And anytime I've complained about being sexually harassed, I, n I only get a generic response. Do you ever call the police on that? I've never, I threatened to call the police once um, because he wouldn't let me off the vehicle. And this was before I lost my legs, but I had my leg braces. And I was just like, okay, I'm gonna call my boyfriend right now and immediately after I'm gonna call the cops. So you can let me off or you can tell the cops why you won't let me off because he wanted my phone number. And I said, no. And so he closed the door and locked it in and went let me off. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. You wanna rumble? I'll rumble. Like, there have been a bunch of them who ask me about my sex life. Ask, yeah, yeah. Ask me if I live alone, if they could come over sometime. Ask me, tell me how beautiful I am and I'm so beautiful for an amputee. No. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Who is it? Let me find. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but it's it's because number one, there's no consent when you're disabled. People think they can say and do anything to you, including touch you, which I have a huge problem with. Like if you're a stranger, don't put your hands on me, cause I'll punch you. Um, and then two is that the assumption is that when you're disabled, nobody cares about you. You don't have any friends or family. Sure, nobody wants to have sex with you. Nobody wants to procreate with you. Do you even have sexual organs? Like those are the assumptions that I've heard from people, and you would be surprised at the a huge amount of people who automatically assume that when you're disabled, you suddenly have zero um, physical encounters with anyone, physical sexual encounter, like nothing. That you're completely desexed. Like I was became an amputee, and they just amputated all my lady parts and everything that goes with it. Um, and people but assume that. That doesn't stop them from. No, but it doesn't. Right, and, and so they're conflicted. From, from touching you, yeah, inappropriate, or, or saying inappropriate things, right? Or totally. You in a van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and there's no way to like really report something so right. egregious. Because on one hand, it's like most of these drivers are men of color, and I feel shitty calling the cops on my fellow black folks right. or or Middle Eastern. Like I'm both black and Palestinian. Like I feel terrible doing that. Right. But I also don't want some random man thinking that he can talk to me any way he wants to because I'm disabled. No. You can't talk to me any way you want. You can't treat me any way you want. And I'm happily taken. Thank you very much. Like, but regardless of whether I'm taken or not, nobody should feel that they have the right to say whatever they want or do whatever they want to someone because of a disability or perceived disability. Like, that's crap. And I'm not here for it. There, there should be just a side complaint for, mm -hmm. for sexual totally. harassment. I completely agree. But Accessoride does, thinks it's a non-issue. They think that folks at Accessoride have literally said that I am the only person who has ever mentioned this. And I'm like, but I'm sure amongst the women that you and some of the men mm -hmm. that you've spoken to would say otherwise. They would, and there are 149,000 of us. You can't. I cannot be the only one. They've also said I'm the only one that's had issues with the app. I'm the only one that's had issues with my. And I'm just like, you really gonna lie to my face when I know that's a lie? When I have talked to people about these things? This is the problem with having, you know. So many companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's one of the There's huge no things. oversight. Complete. No one's controlling anything. Not at all, and and even more so with. And even if you make a complaint to Accessoride via the MTA, they have to go back to that company, and it's your word against theirs. Right. And this guy is being kind enough mm -hmm. to allow this company mm -hmm. to drive you around. 
Right, totally. And chauffeur. Right. Air quotes, everybody. Air quotes. There have been a lot of air quotes today, just so y'all know. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing that my boyfriend and I have been together three and a half years. And before that, he had never experienced anything with anybody disabled. Like, he pushed his grandma around in a wheelchair before she passed, but that's it. And he hadn't used Accessoride, he didn't know anything about it. And then he started hearing me complain about it when we were dating. He's like, oh, it can't be that bad. Is it that bad? So I was like, all right, all right, you come with me. So I'm stuck since it's date and time. And you tell you me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can have a guest or you can have a, a, a primary care attendant. Um, like a home health aid or something? Yeah, yeah. So, and the, the aids are free, um, but the guests, you can have up to three guests and you have to pay 275 for them as well. Um, but cash up front. But cash, yeah, yeah, cash up front. Um, and he finally saw for himself, experienced it a few times, and he's like, okay, I don't want to do this again. And I'm just a like, multi-borough tour. Yeah, a literal multi-borough tour. And he was just like, wait, you do this every single, yeah, and I'm like, yes. Every single day. And then we moved in together and then he really experienced my the ridiculousness of it, hearing me argue with the operators in the morning on the phone or grumbling. We live in a, in a 20 step walk up and so I hop up the steps every day and hop down. And he'd hear me grumbling up the steps and grumbling down the steps because I'm just like, this is crap. Like, in addition to all the stresses of, of dealing with my lupus, I have to deal with the stresses of dealing with accessoride. Or stressoride. Or stressoride. And it's just like, really? This is what y'all wanted to do? Like, you, you want to, like, just shave years off my life? Like, how how is that okay? You know, and most folks don't, unless you actually use it, and use it more than once, you have no idea about what, what is actually going on on these rides. And... And that's why I have an issue with, like, Andy Byford did a ride-along a few months ago, but he only did one. I know that he recently went around stations with Alex in a wheelchair himself, and a lot of people are offended by that. Yeah, because it's not a costume, Andy Byford. I had a problem with it. And like, like, I was just like, okay, I understand you want to see through the uh -huh. eyes of everybody uh -huh. you could just have a conversation absolutely because you can still get up out of that chair uh -huh. and move this over here yeah. and do that over there you are not yeah. a disabled person you do not need the wheelchair no you are okay your back is yeah. fine your legs are fine yeah it's just like and he, i don't think he understood what that meant he did he did it before years ago in london and he he bragged about it with him and his, his uh, co-worker who did it and did all day, all around the tube in the wheelchair. And it was such a, oh eye-opening experience. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, seriously, dude? Seriously? I am not a costume buddy. So you might want to come again with that. And sure enough, he did come again and went in the wheelchair again. And it's just like, really? I mean, he rode that accessory with Alex just to go to a, a, one meeting, but I'm like, you can't, you can't get the full experience well, using it one time. Well, I have a feeling that if Alex Alagudin is on accessory, it's probably the best <laughs> accessory there ever was in the world. He said he had, they had no problems on that well, ride. they probably found out it was him, drove him straight through, and I bet. make it stop. Yep, I bet. And it's just like, you're not going to get an authentic experience that way at all so i don't even know why you would do it that way he's like i don't i don't believe in being secretive i want to let people know who i am up front it's like they know who you are up front you're I'm the like, coordinator of the mta they we, know who you are we read the news we all read the news we all see news reports everyone Come knows on. your name 
everybody knows your face and your name. Like, really? So let's talk about the buses. Yes. Which are 100% accessible via the yes. ramps. If the ramp works. <laughs> However, the bus lanes are clogged yes. with other vehicles other than buses. Yes. The police, FedEx, double parkers. It makes it nearly impossible for those 100% accessible features to be used. Mm -hmm. So, and accessory I finally got managed to get into the yes. bus lane. But if you can't get into the bus lane, it does not matter. Right. So what are your thoughts on the mayor's big decision three or four months ago to police the bus lanes, mm -hmm. yet every day I'm out walking buses, I see people trying to get on and off buses via the ramps because yeah. they can't get in the bus lane. What are your thoughts on everybody and their mother in the bus lanes? Yeah, bus lanes are a huge, huge issue and, you know, I'm hoping that the cameras will pick up some things. Like the DOT made a huge deal about, oh, we don't know if we can add accessoride to the bus lane because how can we police that? Um, so now they're printing brand new license plates for all accessoride vehicles. Um, but I'm hoping that more can be done about like making sure that it is the accessoride vehicles that are in the bus lanes and not folks who are double parked or using a bus lane because they feel like it or whatever. Um, so we're trying to make sure that that happens. We just don't know yet how successful it will be. Um, and it hasn't even been put into effect yet. It's going to be next month. Um, so hopefully it'll be okay. I just, the way traffic has been like, when congestion pricing started, it was supposed to cut back a huge amount of traffic, but traffic has not changed well, at all. It hasn't been implemented yet. Yes, it has. Has it? In curb vehicles, it's it's there now. I don't know if other, other cabs don't have it, but the curb vehicles do. Um, because I saw a, uh, uh, Little, so they're like little computer thingies in there, and it has like you're an MTA customer, you're going to such and such, you're with Accessori, blah, 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 and every time we're going around a, a bridge or a tunnel, it says congestion pricing won't be added to you because you're driving someone through Accessori. Oh. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, I walk buses all the time. Yeah. That's, that's, that's gross. That is, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping traffic will get a little bit better with accessory being able to use the bus lanes. Um, but everyone has to get out of the bus lane. But everyone has to, yes, everyone has to get out of the bus lane. Which means the police have to get out of the bus lane right. in order to police the bus lane. Right, And right. then get out of the way of the bus lane. Right, yeah, that's going to be a whole other. I mean, this precinct right here is a, tr um, a transportation precinct. And I've been trying to get Accessori to contact them because every morning when I'm coming out here, there's a cop on the corner who wants to stop people from coming down the street. And I'm like, y'all didn't just start seeing me coming on this block. And they always make me get out on the corner and walk farther in instead of being driven right where the door is. Aren't there laws against that? I believe there are, but they don't really... For the ADA Act? I mean, past 1990. I mean, even though New York isn't the most compliant, you know, cops want to do what they want to do. But like, it's just amazing to me that it's it's so it's going to take some time to get the, the police on the same side with accessory because I've seen so many issues between drivers and police 
with the police trying to get the drivers to not do something even though they're handling folks with disabilities that <laughs> are just like, like well, getting them to as close to the door yes, as, yes. Be as possible exactly yeah because of mobility issues yeah. and they've gotten in arguments with me on the corner and I'm like you want to throw down right now you want to I'll go right upstairs and get my disability rights lawyer supervisor to come down here and tell you. And they're like, oh man, we don't, we didn't mean, it. and I'm like, okay, try me again, please. <laughs> it's amazing that folks don't respond to you until you threaten them with a lawyer. Well, it's usually the way it goes. <laughs> and it's just like, you could, it's like you could just do the right thing to begin with, yeah. and then we wouldn't have to do the rest of this stuff. True. It's but very, very true. folks, yeah. For our visually impaired citizens, um, other than Braille on the MetroCard kiosks, I haven't really seen any other instances of Braille. Of course, they actually have to get downstairs yeah. to get to yeah. the kiosk. And I've seen Braille on the uh, posts where the numbers mm -hmm. are, but that's awfully close to the edge of the platform. And not all the platforms have the little raised bumps on them either. Yeah. Especially the older ones in my neighborhood. Well, they were that because they recently did it. Mm -hmm. But all the rest of them don't. Mm. So it's just like our vision. Our vi I don't know. I don't understand how they do it. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how they navigate right. and get through it. Right. So how do they get through it? So I mean, I, you and I are both wearing glasses, but we're not technically visually impaired, really, according to the definition right. of it. Um, but folks that I've talked to who do have either low vision or no vision um, say that they, they've adjusted and adapted and anytime they're around folks where they need help they just make sure to let people know that they need the help. Um, Accessorite is supposed to do a call and response with folks. Unfortunately a lot of drivers don't which is a huge issue and I we brought it up a number of times in meetings um, and it's just it's terrible even even for um, deaf folks were like hey you need to call out to make sure um, or wave or let people know what you're wearing before you show up or even text people to let them know you're there otherwise you're gonna mark them as a no-show even though they're there and that's happened so many times um, yeah Monica Bartley told me a story about how a blind gentleman was left on the sidewalk yeah he was standing there yeah and an uh, accessory just didn't pick him up. Yep. Yep. And I mean, he, I don't. You know, he had it. He had indicators. You know, he had mm -hmm. his cane. He had mm -hmm. all of his things. He's so, standing right there. It's the fault of that driver, then. And it's it's terrible. I mean, I've had plenty of drivers just drive zoom right past me too, and I don't have any issues with my sight or my hearing. So I can't imagine having something like that, and then being completely helpless and left on a corner when you're supposed to get picked up. Um, so and it's gonna take even more work. Aside, like I said, aside from the elevators and the ramps, like there's so many more things that need to be addressed that aren't being addressed. Well, not being addressed by Accessoride. But by the um, MTA in general. Yeah, by the MTA in general, and it's it's because their their main focus is always on elevators and ramps, but or mostly elevators. Um, but you know, we're just gonna have to keep amplifying and, and showing up. For our hearing impaired citizens, I mean, there isn't much for them either. I mean, the countdown clocks are helpful, but they are 
accurate a lot of the time. Yeah. And a lot of those fancy screens that they're installing mostly have ads on them. Yeah. It's like it would be helpful because, and even when they do have announcements, even those of us who can hear just fine can't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, why not use those boards for actual real-time announcements as they happen? I agree. Use them for something useful. Yep, I agree. I, I think the MTA is too concerned with putting up pictures of flowers and art yes. in the trains yes. when art is wonderful, art is great. I used to work for a photographer. I love art 100%. So do I. Art but, is great, but I'd rather have it elevated. Yes. I'd rather have audible announcements. Yes. I'd rather have braille for those who yes. on the outside of the station. Yes, absolutely. You know, those like raised bumps on the edge mm -hmm. of the stairs so yep. they know where they're going. Yep. Totally, yeah. So it's just like you have all these things that are simple to do. Mm -hmm. You just choose not to do them. And, and that's the, the biggest thing, that they're choosing They've made a choice. certain things over what's actually 100% the law, but also necessary. It's like two-tiered. It's not just, people don't just want it, but it's also the you law. responsibility. <laughs> yes. Yes. To, to everybody matters. Yes. And everybody has the right have a life. Mm -hmm. Go out with their friends. Go out, you know, go out with their boyfriends. Have a nice time. Yep. Go to a show or go to a movie or something. Yeah, absolutely. Go to a different neighborhood. Yeah. Go to a restaurant that your friends keep Yeah, going. go sit and have some freaking coffee somewhere. Like something. Anything. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Simplest thing in the world. But Accessoride makes it like, like the most, like I said, the horrible, most horrible experience trying to take Accessoride anywhere. Yeah. It's just terrible. If you could have Governor Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, Pat Foy, and Andy Byford in a room, what would you tell them? Treat folks with disabilities like people. You know, I, I, I honestly think it, it, it comes from a sort of an unconscious bias that they're making the assumption that, oh, it's, it's fine. Being on a, on, a, on a vehicle for two or three hours is not a big deal. Oh, if you can't find an elevator station, you can just find a different one. Like, they're not thinking that it's a huge inconvenience. Think about how and far you have to go back yes, to find one. Yes. If it's even on your line. Even if it's, a, yes, exactly. I, and you know, when I was thinking about it, I have never, not once, lived near an accessible station. And I've lived all over the city, including Staten Island. Lived in every borough, every kind of neighborhood, not once. And that's a problem. And I've grown more and more disabled as I've gotten older. And it's not gotten any better. So it's like, you know, put yourself in our shoes. Like imagine if your left arm was suddenly behind your back and you couldn't move it forward. Or imagine if you didn't have a knee. Or imagine if you had, like one, one time I, I lost vision in my left eye. And I was like, shit, I don't know what to do. Cause I never had that experience. Or like if you suddenly get ill, or if you break an, a limb, or if you ha freaking have a baby or some, some, there's so many different things that your, your life is gonna be drastically changed. And so is your mobility. And then so is your ability to get around. And so you got to think about it that way, not to just like put us, put our lives, putting our disabilities on like costumes, but just to like have a, a, a teeny bit of empathy, just a teeny bit to like get, get on our our page, just just a, just a little bit. 
like there there are tests that um, physical therapists do sort of like simulations where they can feel the disability so that they know what their patients are going to be feeling like and I almost feel like they should do something like that like not physically getting into a, uh, a wheelchair but like just doing a simulation so that they can experience it but aren't putting it on like a costume because they're just doing what what medical professionals do in their own jobs like I, I, I don't know why that's not a thing for every single person that works at Accessorize like why well they're <laughs> they're under different guidelines based on the company that they work for. Right, as right, they, yeah. As I found out today, yes. <laughs> yes. Which was a revelation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I have realized that there are so many things about Accessory that I might not even know, even though I eat, sleep, and breathe it every day, you know. So it's. And I don't think that they're purposely hiding the information, but I mean, you've been on MTA.info. It's like a freaking. Try to get any information. Try to, yes. Try to get any information. It's even with, like, documents regarding, um, like, upgrades to stations. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to find out the original, like, amount of costs and the original, like, target date of completion. Yeah. You can't find it. No. And even if you do find it, it will take you probably months to find it. Yes. Because there's so, it's the tiniest text, so much information, everything's scattered all over the place, nothing's really organized in a proper way, and it's just like. They do it on and I think it is a little, just a little bit on purpose, yeah, yeah, which kind of is terrible because it's like, how do you run an agency like that? They have, they have so much money. Have you seen it? I, right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm all about actions, and they keep coming up with words. And I'm like, okay, great. Y'all been saying the same thing time and time and time and time again, but your actions haven't shown that your words mean shit. So stop talking and start doing. And they are hesitant. They need to get less hesitant. Yes, I agree. I completely agree. And they keep saying, oh, funding's an issue. And it's just like, but y'all find all this money to pay your staff so well. Some folks that work at the MCA are making bank. Bank. Yeah. So they've got money. They're just not spending it wisely. True. <laughs> and it's just like, do y'all need to do a finances 101 workshop? Because they do a forensic audit. <laughs> Well, those Scott Stringer audits were pretty damn good. Yeah. And revealing. Mm. So, and I'm sure they didn't like that. So, I mean, I, I don't, they, they have this new um, group of folks called the Alex Group, A-L-I-X. And they're supposed to be rejiggering the entire thing of the MTA. Um, and they just started last month. Uh, so, who knows? I just know that they are ridiculously expensive, so let's hope they got their money's worth. <laughs> like, you got yourself a multi-million dollar company rejiggering your organization, so let's hope it's... Isn't it fascinating how they get all these consultants and people in there because they can't figure it out themselves, so Right. they pay all these people all this money right. to figure it out. Right. Well, I mean, if, if, if those board, mem board meetings are any indication... The MTA does have a habit of just throwing money where they shouldn't. Um, I don't know if you were watching uh, the MTA board meeting last, last month, 
that there was a lot of infighting at the general meeting on that Wednesday. And if you want to, if you want to see like a, a real life soap opera in the form of an MTA board meeting, I suggest you watch it because it was just the most. Oh, if was it, it someone from last week? Or was it the... Was it last week? Yeah, I think it was last week. Yeah, which was last month. Shit, yeah. So damn. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was just very revealing, and it just showed just how... Just how disorganized they are. And it's just like, how can so many disorganized folks have so much control over so much money? In our lives. In our lives! It's not just the money, it's our lives and our time. And like, look, yeah, I'll miss the money. Yeah, I'll, I'll miss my life, but I ain't never gonna get that time back. So, like, yeah. In our remaining time, is there anything else you'd like to say about the state of accessibility in New York City? It can be a whole lot better. Um, I really wish that Accessor had worked for people, you know, and the on-demand pilot was great when it first started and it was really, like, revolutionary and got people where they needed to go when they wanted to go and not like they didn't have to take two multiple borough tours around the city um and i just I, I just want it to work for people and i always say like even if i stop using accessorite tomorrow i wouldn't stop advocating for people to have better service because i know yeah i know what it's like to be stuck on those vehicles forever I know what it's like to have a driver cuss you out because they're having a bad day. I know what it's like to be sexually harassed. I know what it's like to not get picked up or to get picked up so late that you miss your appointment. You know, I know what it's like. And it should not stand to, it shouldn't stay the way it is. Like it's gotta change, it's gotta be improved. And if it's, if it's another lawsuit, if it's us keeping, continuing to show up at those MTA board meetings, if it's us, you know, keeping up our our monthly meetings with Accessorite MTA, um, if it's me tweeting at Accessorite, like whatever it is, like I feel like it, it needs to be multi-tiered and hitting them on all fronts all the time. And if it's protests all the time, then it's protests all the time because the protests we did two months ago worked and they saw and they didn't raise the fare. And when we show Congratulations. up, thank you. Yeah, I mean, they were not expecting to see 60 wheelchairs and walkers show up, but we did. And, you know, they need to recognize that, like, yeah, we might be, you know, physically disabled, some of us, but we're still powerful. We're still amazing. And we're not just simply inspirations because we're walking around. We have the audacity to walk around as ourselves. Like, we're powerful individuals. Who are standing up for equality for everyone and you know there are a number of issues not just transportation that that sort of like grind my gears to dust around disability that I'm just like why aren't more people pissed off about this as they should be because guess what anybody anybody can join the disabled club at any time six years ago I did not think I'd be an amputee 20 years ago, I had no idea what lupus was, and here I am. So it's no one's exempt. And so, so well, someone who wasn't disabled today could be disabled tomorrow and be on Accessoride next week, and that's it. And that's just the way it is. And we need to make sure that everything's equal for everybody. 
because we all share this planet together. No one is an island by themselves and we all need each other to survive. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, like someone commented that I was uh, thinking too, too much like socialism when I said things like that. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's actually my Christian values. Like to care about other human beings and not just care about myself and to recognize that I'm not the only person on this planet. Like, that's not socialism to me. That's being a freaking good human being. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just amazing. And it was someone of like high privilege saying that to me. And I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming from. You think people are gonna steal your money, rich person. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things that like, the, 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 privilege, the few privileged on top always think the massive non-rich people on the bottom want to steal all of their stuff. But they don't recognize that we're not thinking the way they're thinking. We're thinking about everybody and they're thinking about themselves. You just want everybody to be okay. Yes. I'm not trying to steal anybody's shit. I just want everyone to be okay. Like, why does that mean I'm a socialist? Like, I, I, don't, I just don't understand that connection. There is no connection. There isn't, yeah. We're just on this yeah. big old spinning sphere of planet together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for we learned so much today. Indeed. Thank you. And I love cats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what did we learn from Iman? We learned more about Accessoride than we could have ever hoped to, and I am so glad that we did. The fact is, as we learned from Blake Morris way back last summer during his podcast, is that Accessoride was meant to be a temporary fix before the elevators were installed. Of course, we know the elevators were never installed, and we are stuck with a program where the MTA contracts out to various companies to drive a very vulnerable population. What is the oversight for this program? Who manages this program? As of right now, if you have a complaint for Accessoride, you have a general complaint form to fill out. If you are harassed, abused, or treated with profound disrespect, how does this situation get handled? Who is answering these complaints? Does the contractor ever get contacted? Are they penalized for such behavior? Who knows? If you would like more information regarding the companies who are contracted out to drive our disabled community, reach out to Iman and she will have and she has a detailed spreadsheet to provide you. Her contact information will be at the end of this podcast. Accessoride is inefficient, expensive to operate, frustrating, and cumbersome. Those who use this service deserve so much better. One thing that can't be denied is the current state of the MTA in terms of accessibility is abysmal. The elevators are not only frequently broken, but they're in shocking condition in terms of cleanliness. Accessoride is expensive to operate, not efficient or user-friendly. Ramps on buses are not always functional. More needs to be done to make the transit system accessible and convenient for all of us.
New York City falls behind every major city in America when it comes to accessible public transit. Chicago has 100% accessible features on all lines of transportation. Chicago has 146 stations, and 100 of them have elevators or ramps, which is 70%. They intend to have all stations accessible in 20 years. Boston stations are 90% accessible. Boston, by the way, predates us by about seven years. So when people complain about, oh, well, the system here is old, so that makes it hard. No, Boston's doing it, so we can too. BART in the Bay Area, MARTA in Atlanta, LA Metro, and Washington, D.C. are all 100% accessible. All of these cities can do this. Why can't we? Not only does the lack of accessibility take a physical toll on those simply trying to get from point A to B, it takes an emotional toll. The stress of not knowing if the elevators are working properly at the start and at the end of your journey. And when you finally do reach your destination and the elevators do not work, you have to double back to where you started. Not being able to enjoy all the wonderful things the city has to offer because you can't get out of your own neighborhood. The unnecessary straight stress of being late to work or appointments or a job interview or simply not being able to spend time with friends or family. Per the ADA Act, which was first drafted in 1986 and finally passed into law in 1990, if a station is significantly modified, at least 20% of the renovations costs must be spent on ADA improvements. However, this does not seem to be the case here in New York City. They are woefully out of compliance with the, MTA, with the ADA Act. Smith and 9th Street, for example, in Brooklyn, was closed for two years. And no elevator was installed. Smith and 9th Street, by the way, is the tallest station in the boroughs. Here, just in Brooklyn, on the R-Line, Bay Ridge Ave, Prospect Avenue, and 53rd Street in Brooklyn were all closed at the same time for renovations, and nary an elevator in sight. What we do have is art to look at, fancy glasswork, and lots of fancy informational screens with conflicting information on them. In my research, the only way the MTA ever agrees to put in an elevator is when they have been sued and forced to. You would think that if the system is accessible to everyone, that means everyone wins. You would think in a civil society, everyone winning would be a plus. Hopefully, going forward, elevators and ramps will just be part of the plan when renovating or building new stations. I would like to point out that elevators are for everyone. Our disabled citizens, the elderly, heavily pregnant ladies, those with strollers, and those who just may be temporarily injured. However, it's not enough that you have elevators, you have to maintain them and keep them clean. How hard is it to, go, to have someone go in once a day and sanitize the elevator? Considering that there's only 118 of them, it shouldn't take that long. 
But then again, the MTA cleans the interior of the subway cars every 8 to 10 weeks. Which, by the way, is also unacceptable. Because it's important that we are heard regarding accessibility, if you are on social media, or you'd like to contact some important people who may have the ability to change the system overall, here are some people you can reach out to. Sarah Meyer is a Chief Customer Service Officer for New York City Transit. She can be reached on Twitter at Sarah Meyer NYC, and that's S-A-R-A-H-M-E-Y-E-R-N-Y-C. She's always asking for suggestions to improve the system, so give her some. Let her know that you would like to see the overall system improve for everyone. Governor Cuomo's office can be reached on Twitter at NYGovCuomo. Also, his office phone is 518-474-8390. He controls the MTA, despite what he says. Let him know that the overall system needs to be accessible to everyone. He is in charge of the MTA. Ask him who is taking care of the vulnerable population while on Accessoride. Mayor de Blasio can be found at at Bill de Blasio or at NYC Mayor or at NYC Mayor's office. Also, reach out to your electeds, your council member, your borough president, your assembly person, your congressperson, your senator. Tell them that the current state of accessibility is shameful and embarrassing and demand that they push for 100% accessible features across all lines of transportation. Also, demand reform and improvements to Accessoride. We cannot be considered the greatest city in the world until we accommodate everyone. So everyone can enjoy what the city has to offer because everyone matters. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope Iman and I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we're all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate or just be supportive and be in my Amen corner. Here's some spots where you can reach out to Iman and myself. And as the Four Tops once said, reach out and I'll be there. Thank you to Iman Ramawi for sharing her thoughts on the lack of accessibility and the shameful state of Accessoride. And also, thank you for her work and Nilpi's work and all their coalition partners for improving the system. And here's where you can reach out to Iman, Nilpi, and all their coalition partners. Twitter, at Iman underscore Ramawi, and it's R-I-M. A W I. You can email her at eRamali at nilpi.org. Define New York lawyers for the public interest, nilpi.org. Their address 151 West 30th Street, 11th floor, New York, New York 10001. Phone number 212 224 4664. For our hearing impaired, 212-244-3692. Again, 
3692. On Twitter, at Nilpi. LinkedIn, New York Lawyers for Public Interest. Facebook, at New York Lawyers for the Public Interest. Find Sydney online, sydney.org. Their Manhattan office, 841 Broadway, Suite 301, New York, New York, 10003. Phone number, 212-674-2300. Queen's office, 80-02, Kew Gardens Road, Suite 400, Kew Gardens, New York, 11415. Phone number 646-442-1520. Twitter, CID underscore NY. Facebook, at Sydney Inc. Instagram, CID underscore NY. Brooklyn Center for Independence of the Disabled. BCID.org. 27th Smith Street, Suite 200, Brooklyn, New York, 11201. Phone number 718-998-3000. Email info at bcid.org. Twitter at Brooklyn BCID. Facebook at Brooklyn BCID. MFJ Legal Services. Mobilizationforjustice.org, 100 William Street, 6th floor, New York, New York, 10038. Phone number 212-417-3700. Bronx office 424 East, 147th Street, 3rd floor, Bronx, New York, 10455. Phone number 212-417-3800. Email info at mfjlegal.org. Twitter at mobilizationforjustice.org. LinkedIn, MFY Legal Services. Find me, podcastsarah at gmail.com. And Sarah is with an H. This podcast is hosted on anchor.com. Twitter at ExeneZoom, that's E-X-E-N-E-C-O-O-M, where I employ the hashtag, how's Andy's commute, when I complain about my miserable commute or your miserable commute. You're welcome. Also, of course, hashtag service evasion and, you know, hashtag build the buses slow. Instagram, lights at the end of the tunnel. Facebook, lights at the end of the tunnel. SoundCloud, Lights at the end of the tunnel. Spotify. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Stitcher. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Google Podcast. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Although this app is only available for Android users. Breaker Social Podcast. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Radiopublic.com. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Pocketcasts. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Overcast. Lights at the end of the tunnel. Cast box, lights at the end of the tunnel. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for the intro music. Follow them on Twitter at Ox Roof Music.
SoundCloud, Ox on the Roof, and Instagram, Ox on the Roof. So reach out and share. The only way for this to be successful is to work together. We need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us. Shine brightly, everybody.